Hi, I'm Laura Parkin, and this is a new show, Cape Climate, where we talk to some amazing people doing great climate work here on Cape Cod. And occasionally we'll learn how we can do our bit. And of course, all of this is in service of our existential dread. Thank you for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about the electricity we use on Cape Cod. As we work to cut our greenhouse gas emissions, we're going electric. We're talking about electrifying our homes, putting in heat pumps, maybe switching to hybrid or electric cars. But of course, that only works to cut our emissions if the electricity is generated using renewable resources like offshore wind or solar or hydropower, for example. So I've been wondering how green is our electricity here on Cape Cod? I mean, it's getting cold out there. And it's really tempting to put the heat up to 80 and pretend I'm on a tropical vacation, but can I be happy about that? So I spoke to some experts, and the answer is more nuanced than I thought. We definitely have some things to celebrate, but there are challenges, and maybe it's not time to have a beach party in the living room in January. But it also turns out that there are some fairly simple ways all of us can engage to help push the development of more renewable energy. Before we dive in, I'm going to confess how little I knew about where my power was coming from. I really just figured it was Eversource. I mean, I signed up with Eversource, I pay Eversource every month, but it turns out that because I didn't opt out, I'm one of the 145,000 customers where Eversource delivers my energy to my home, but the Cape Light Compact has purchased it for me. So I'm really excited that the Compact's administrator, Maggie Downey, and Mariel Marchand, the Compact's power purchasing planner, as well as one of the board members, Dick Elkin, will be joining us today to talk about their work. But before we get into the details of what's happening here on the Cape, Chris Powicki is going to give us some foundation in what turns out to be the fairly complicated world of generating and buying electricity and how renewable energy certificates work. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to learning some of the basics about the electricity industry. But before we dive into that, could you please share some of your background with us? Well, thanks for having me today. I've been working as an energy consultant since 1990, uh, mainly in the electric sector and mainly sort of on strategic planning and research issues. And so most of the technology work that I'm involved in these days is relating to renewable energy and other clean energy technologies, uh, because that's the way the industry obviously is headed and has needed to head for a long time. I also since 2000, have taught renewable energy course at Cape Cod Community College. Um, so I'm an adjunct professor there. And then since I moved to Cape Cod, uh, moved back to Massachusetts in 2000, I have devoted a significant fraction of my time to energy advocacy and climate advocacy. During the interview, I may want to put on different hats, um, but generally when I'm talking about advocacy topics, um, I put away my professional hat and I put away my college hat. And um, currently, I'm the chair of the Cape Cod and Islands group of the Sierra Club. Again, thanks for being here, Chris. So where do you want to start? None of this is easy. It's it's super complex. And I'll, I'll see if I can try to, to get it at some of the key issues. Okay. So there's a, a, a few sort of ways you look at electricity. One way to look at it is is like the physical path, the electricity that we're actually physically consuming that's coming into our house. And another way to look at it is the contract path, which is who we actually buy our electricity from on a contract basis. And so on the physical path, years ago when, for example, the, the canal plant in Sandwich was operating all the time, 
and that facility was burning oil primarily um, to supply electricity to the grid. The facility is much larger, um, generates far more energy than the load of, of Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket. So just as a matter, matter of physical flow of electrons, um, when that plant was operating, customers on the Cape were consuming um, fossil power. Mm-hmm. And so the physical path was fossil power. Now, um, there's a, a new wind farm under construction south of um, the Cape, uh, Vineyard Wind. Um, some initial turbines are scheduled to go online uh, in December of 2023. Next year, the, the project as a whole is scheduled to be uh, up and running. Mm-hmm. When that facility is operating um, up to its full capacity, or even at half of its capacity, on the physical path, we will be consuming wind power because it will be generating more than the entire region consumes. And actually wind power will be export exported over the cables that cross the Cape Cod Canal because there'd be more wind um, you know, generated than consumed. So it's sort of a, a similar um, circumstance with the canal plant that I talked about. That's just the physical path. The contract path is who you actually buy your power from. And so mm-hmm. if you buy your power from Eversource, or you buy your power from the Cape Light Compact, generally you're getting what's called market power. And that's considered an average of all the facilities that are supplying power to the New England grid. That's what the system power represents. And so natural gas is about 60% of the uh, electricity mix across New England. So everybody on the on the contract path is consuming largely fossil fired electricity. There's some nuclear still in the mix um, because there are a couple nuclear plants in New England still, one in Connecticut and then one in New Hampshire. And there are, you know, there's obviously some wind and solar, not a lot, but some that's in the system mix and there's hydropower and, um, you know, the CMAS incinerator puts some power onto the grid. So there's a whole bunch of different sources that make up our system power mix, but it's largely fossil fuel heavy right now. There's another element to this, and that is that all power suppliers in, the, in Massachusetts are required to comply with the renewable portfolio standard. And the way that the renewable portfolio standard compliance is tracked is that Each supplier has to purchase a certain amount of renewable energy certificates each year, and that percentage of renewable energy certificates, or RECs, rises Mm -hmm. each year. The only entities that generate RECs are renewable power producers, um, Mm -hmm. but every supplier has to buy these RECs equivalent to a fixed amount of the power they sell. So... I think in in Massachusetts, I can't remember what the RPS level is right now, um, but over time, it's steadily increased from you know a small percent, one percent, two percent, three percent. Now I believe we're over ten percent, and I, I wish I remembered the exact number. But um, each year, the Compact and EverSource and other suppliers have to purchase enough RECs to offset the RPS level amount of their power. Some suppliers choose to procure more RECs and they use those additional RECs to essentially say that we're offsetting our reliance on fossil fuels and our power is greener. Now, the fact Mm -hmm. is that is not the case. The power that's being delivered to the house on the physical path does not change when you purchase RECs and the system power mix, which is what you purchase, that does not change. You're just purchasing 
what some people call them wrecks, some people call them green tags, and they basically <laughs> give you the sense that your uh, power is cleaner because you're offsetting your fossil fuel consumption by purchasing more wrecks. Chris, thank you. That's a fantastic foundation for the rest of the conversation. Next, let's talk to the folks at Cape Light Compact to get a sense of what's happening today. And then I'd like to get back to some of the uh, ideas you're advocating to accelerate the development of renewable energy. I'm delighted to be here with Maggie Downey, the Cape Light Compact Administrator since 1997. Maggie, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, happy to be here. I'm always happy to talk about the Cape Light Compact. So I'm going to start at the beginning. We have to go way back, back to the 1990s. Uh, so in 1994, Barnstable County had just completed the Barnstable County Energy Management Plan. That was the first energy plan for a county in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and it was the first for the Cape. And the reason, the rationale for doing this is really twofold, and it's kind of the foundation of some of the the Cape Light Compact. Back in the 90s, we were concerned because we had the sixth highest electric supply, electric rates in the country. Fast forward almost 30 years, and we still are in the top 10 for electric rates. Mm -hmm. We're on a peninsula, so it's very expensive to get poles and wires out here, to get electrons out here to maintain the system so our prices are reflective of in fact the things that we love the most about right living on this right, uh, living right. on this peninsula and the second is the way to the best way to manage one's energy consumption your electric rate is by using less electricity we were still paying in back in about far back as the 90s into an energy efficiency fund Hmm. but those funds were going into a larger investor-owned utility pool and were not staying on the cape and being reinvested on the cape so one of the one of the primary recommendations was to file legislation create an energy committee to get control of those dollar energy efficiency funds to make sure that ratepayer funds that were generated on the Cape were rein- and vineyard were reinvested on the Cape and vineyard. So the, the effort by the count, early effort by the county commissioners formed an energy management committee, had a representative from all the Cape towns. And at the same time, what was happening in the late 90s was restru- something known as electric restructuring. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts opted to deregulate the electric utility industry, and they determined, legislature decided that the investor-owned utilities, now Eversource, was Electric, was NSTAR, mm-hmm. <laughs> would uh, just own poles and wires. They would be a transmission and distribution company, so they sold off all their generation assets. They used mm-hmm. to own the canal plant and other various... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, generating stations. They sold them all off, and they what became known as competition. They believed that competition for choosing your electric supplier would mm. result in savings for customers, all customers, large CNI, small businesses, and residential customers. And again, this very wise group of individuals that had created the what was then an energy management committee was very concerned that in a deregulated electric utility industry, small customers, so residents and businesses, would lack negotiating strength to negotiate terms and conditions of a contract. And they lobbied for what was um, cities and towns in Massachusetts being able to, with town council or town meeting vote, aggregate its residents on an opt-out basis. Mm-hmm. So they worked with, which at the time was our senator, Senator Henri Rochenbach, and members of the Energy Committee, Barnstable County Commissioners, to 
uh, insert language into the 1997 Restructuring Act, creating municipal aggregators. That is, in essence, what the Cape Light Compact is. It's a municipal aggregator under Massachusetts general law. It allowed us to do the two things, negotiate a power, the terms and conditions of a power supply contract, and most importantly, to, with approval, collect and administer locally energy efficiency funds and programs. Thus, the Cape Light Compact was born. Town meeting votes happened in 1997, 1998. The vineyard towns joined. We became a 21-member body called the Cape Light Compact. And we began administering energy efficiency programs and providing an option for power supply in 2001. So I know you have a lot of interesting things going on in the energy efficiency part of your work, and I'm looking forward to finding out more. But for now, can you tell us when you're buying electricity, what are your goals? So when we are negotiating, when I go out to bid as chief procurement officer for the Cape Light Compact, I talk to my board, um, get direction from my board over what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And so they give me the direction that they want to be benchmarked to Eversource Basic Service. Okay. So we so some of the things I'm doing is our prices changing at the same time period mm-hmm. as Eversource, so that you a customer can say, oh, Cape Light Compact, for instance, this coming pricing period, we are 1.8 cents lower than Eversource. Mm-hmm. Customers want to be able to look and see, is it a good deal? Mm-hmm. So that was one direction. The other is, is they wanted it to be renewable, but renewable price conscious. So when we we designed our RFP, we have 100% renewable product. So we take all of the megawatt hours and we go out and we purchase renewable energy certificates to match that. And on the contracting side, what have you done to boost renewables? We wanted to be able to bring in some renewable energy. So the, the, the current supplier, which is Next Era Energy Services, we negotiated the option to purchase five megawatts of solar Mm-hmm. From a from and so energy and recs which go into our ISO account again it's from Maine so those electrons aren't coming down to Cape Cod but contractually we have them in our portfolio in addition to 100% recs the other differentiation with our supplier now is we ne- I negotiated they set up an irrevocable trust and they put all of their proceeds from the, you know, the, the supplier fees into this trust to develop new renewable energy projects. So where is the Cape Light Compact headed? So supply side is you negotiate a contract, and it can be for three to five years. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty stable. We're always looking for potential renewable contracts, whether mm-hmm. it's you know, more solar contracts to blend in. We are a public entity. Mm-hmm. backed by our towns. We're also an opt-out aggregator. So it, the, our challenge when negotiating contracts is the financial backstop. Usually we have to post a letter of credit. Letter of credits are expensive. They cost mm-hmm. money. So it's all about the economics. 99% of our staff work <laughs> on energy efficiency. That is a much larger program. Um, we've been running, as I said, energy efficiency programs locally since 2001. You know, the majority of customers on the Cape, yeah. we have 210,000 electric accounts um, and I think we're at 65% of them are residential accounts. Mm. So providing energy efficiency services to residents, to homeowners, is our largest program. It's the most exciting. Um, where are we headed, you asked? We yeah. are heading and pivoting from energy efficiency plans to decarbonization plans because there have been changes in law. So what, what gives you hope about the climate crisis? 
what gives me hope about the climate crisis is yeah. there is an awful lot happening in each and every town. All the towns are have energy committees that they have either become that are focusing on this or they're now energy climate committees and they're working hard. Um, they've adopted the super stretch code in Truro. It's going to take a lot of education. Yeah, I see. I work with some of the the educators on the Cape and they are excited about teaching the science mm-hmm. of energy to their students. So uh, change is happening. It, you know, it is, it's hard and it's slow and all of those things that drive up costs make it harder yeah. and, uh, a little bit, but we will, I'm confident we're going to get there. It's going to take time. Maggie, thank you so much, not just for the time today, but for all that you and your team are doing here at the Compact. I'm just going to go next door to talk to your power supply planner and learn more about the nuts and bolts of buying energy. I'm here with Barnstable native Mariel Marchand, the Cape Light Compact's power supply planner. Mariel, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I would love to hear how you buy our energy for us. How does that actually work? (laughs) (laughs) So the Compact works with a competitive procured supplier. Currently, our supplier is Nextera Energy Services. Mm -hmm. And they're the company with the technical market expertise to procure power on behalf of our customers in the wholesale market. So they're purchasing that power from ISO New England. Nextera is purchasing actual energy in the market Mm -hmm. um, that is being supplied to our customers. Because in Massachusetts, you can choose your energy supplier. So that company is on the supply side of your bill, mm-hmm. but you still have those distribution charges, the delivery charges from Eversource. Mm-hmm. We're all receiving our bill from Eversource on the Cape. So that is just representing the system mix in yep. New England. So gotcha. the the generators that are producing power that's going into the greater New England, it's about 45% natural gas generators. Okay. NextEra is also purchasing those renewable energy certificates in order to match our customers' usage. And that's how we get to renewable power in Massachusetts, for the most part at this time. There are a number of state-required portfolio standards, is what they're called, that all power suppliers in Massachusetts are required to meet. So those make up a certain percentage of our usage. All suppliers are required to purchase these renewable energy certificates in the market to match customers' usage up to that required percentage. Mm -hmm. What the compact is doing is going above and beyond those required mandates Mm -hmm. to get to 100% renewable. So we can feel pretty good about ourselves here? Sort of? Sort of, yes. Where our our customers' usage is being matched with renewable energy certificates. There are a number of different standards, as I said. Mm -hmm. There's the Massachusetts Class 1 renewable portfolio standard. In order to meet that standard, those certificates are generated by renewable energy resources that are located in New England and putting that power onto the grid in New England. Mm -hmm. The compact is matching an additional 1% of customers' load with those Class 1 RECs. Mm -hmm. The additional RECs to get to 100% are purchased from renewable energy facilities, mostly wind facilities, that are located outside of New England. They're mm-hmm. in the U.S., mostly uh, Texas wind, mm-hmm. but that power is not being put onto the grid in New England. So I understand you have a local green program to try to encourage building more renewables in New England. How does that work? 
Yes. So that local green program, we're matching either 50% or 100% of our customers' usage with those class one renewable energy certificates. So those are generated by facilities that are actually located in New England. How much more does that cost? If you're going to go with the 50% option, it costs an additional 1.3 cents per kilowatt hour above our standard rate. And then if you're going with the 100% option, it's 3.6 cents above. What is that average out monthly per customer? It's a good question. It obviously depends on the customer's usage because it's a cents per kilowatt hour. But I'd say for the 50%, it's about an extra $8 Mm -hmm. a month. Or for the 100%, about $20. And does this really work to stimulate the building of renewables in, in Massachusetts or in New England? It certainly supports the development of renewable facilities because by purchasing those credits, we're taking them off the market. You're showing demand. I mean, you're literally, you're you're sucking up. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So how do people sign up for this program? The easiest way to sign up is to call our power supply number Mm -hmm. and ask to be signed up for the CLC Local Green 50 or 100 RAM. Out of all your customers, what percentage are enrolled in these these programs? It's a small percentage that's enrolled in the local green programs. It's about 100 customers out out of of 145,000 customers. Well, I do think one interesting thing that the compact is doing that a lot of municipal, a lot of most other municipal aggregators aren't doing is that we actually have a power purchase agreement with Farmington Solar, which Mm. is a solar facility located in Maine. And so we have a PPA for a little bit less than five megawatts of that power. Uh, yeah, this is the agreement Maggie mentioned, I think. That's, that power is actually being scheduled into our account at ISO New England and settled against our customer's load. And we're purchasing this, we're purchasing the, the energy and the RECs from that power directly, which is more impactful than purchasing just the RECs because by signing a PPA, you're really providing that financing for the project that they need up front in Mm. order to begin development. Would you ever look to purchase offshore wind power? Yes, so purchasing offshore wind is certainly something that the compact is interested in doing. Uh, We do, we signed a memorandum of understanding with Commonwealth Wind back in 2022 Mm -hmm. to kind of work towards trying to negotiate a power purchase agreement. So one of the complicating factors for the compact in purchasing something like offshore wind, signing any kind of long-term contract for Mm -hmm. power, is that we need some kind of financial backstop that we can provide. So normally for the compact, that would come in the form of a letter of credit, mm-hmm. which getting a letter of credit from a bank is expensive. Yeah. But we need some kind of, either the towns would need to pledge their full faith and credit, which they can't mm-hmm. or won't do. So we need to, to generally provide a letter of credit in order to backstop those deals. If we were to sign a long-term contract for, so say, 20 years for wind at a, at a given price, mm-hmm. Our customers have the ability to come and go as they please, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing for our customers. But if we were to sign this contract saying that our customers are going to purchase this power for 20 years and then the price of the power that we're purchasing turns out is a lot higher than what the wholesale market does in 10 years, Mm -hmm. our customers could leave and there's that, that risk is on the compact. Right. Whereas the electric distribution companies have that ability based on the 83C legislation to sell that power into the market. That's super helpful. Thank you so much for your time, Ariel. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. 
I had a wonderful and wide-ranging conversation with Dick Elkin, a board member of the Cape Lake Compact, and on so many other committees. So very broad perspective on what's going on in climate on the Cape and elsewhere. And he shared with me his perspective as a board member on some of the challenges that the Compact faces in making their energy as green as possible. Now, there's a tension between keeping the rate as low as possible and making the energy as green as possible, because green energy will cost more. If you're 100% local green, which technically means you're 100% buying class one renewable energy certificates to offset the energy you use. Mm -hmm. But the board had a discussion a few months ago where we decided that we had enough headroom between what we were charging and what Eversource was that we could raise the price a fraction of a cent and buy more class one local recs than was required. Dick also brought up the issue they face when trying to contract directly for renewables. That letter of credit, and we're now talking amounts in the tens and hundreds of millions of dollars, that letter of credit cost us a million dollars. Okay, so mm-hmm. that was, that's an obstacle. Now, whatever yeah. source does the same thing, they don't have to supply in a million dollar letter of credit because they're backed by the full faith and credit of the state of Massachusetts. So we are working hard to be on an equal footing so our letter of credit will be inexpensive so we can buy it too. I really appreciate the time that Dick took to speak to me about the compact and a lot of other topics, which you'll be hearing about in future episodes. But now we're going to circle back to Chris, whom you heard at the beginning of the show, to talk about some of the ideas that Sierra Club has been advocating for to accelerate the development of more renewable energy here in New England. Chris, I'm wondering about these wrecks that we're buying or the compact is buying for wind power down in Texas. It's not really spurring additional renewable energy. Should that money instead be going towards more class one wrecks? I think that what you're saying is exactly correct, that that's what what generally advocates would say is that it's better to purchase to support to procure from New England based renewable energy projects. But I think that at this point, the advantage comes in purchasing both the power from the renewable energy project and the RECs. It used to be, uh, like I said, that renewable energy was more expensive than fossil power, but solar power is the cheapest power that's available across the country. And in most cases, it's the cheapest power source around the world. So why not spend the money that's being spent on, I'm going to call them hot air RECs from Mm -hmm. elsewhere that don't mean anything in New England. Why waste that money? Why not invest all that money in buying the capacity from renewable Mm -hmm. energy projects So the actual ability to produce power and you buy the energy that that gets produced and also you buy the recs from that project. And so all the money is going back into projects in New England. It's not going to feather some developer's nest elsewhere. And I think that the compact definitely when it made its first agreement with this main solar project is a sort of a, a dip into the water of buying both energy and recs from the same facility on a bilateral basis. That's the compact's first sort of agreement to purchase energy and recs from an individual facility. What Sierra Club has been advocating for throughout 2023 is for the Cape Light Compact to 
negotiate similar agreements with the offshore wind developers that are currently planning a next set of projects. From speaking to Mariel and Maggie, it seems that they actually do want to do these deals, but they keep running into the problem of needing very expensive letters of credit. That is exactly the case. The compact is is not a bankable entity. That's part of the reason that Sierra Club is really supporting the legislation advanced by Representative Dylan Fernandez would actually provide a financial backstop for municipal aggregations to sign power purchase agreements with offshore wind developers. And um, last year's state energy climate bill included a provision that would create the offshore wind investment trust, but it didn't get funded. And so the current legislation filed by Representative Fernandez would provide some funding that would provide a financial backstop from the state to help aggregations sign power supply contracts with offshore wind developers. And I think that the state level decision makers would support this, that being the host community, I think that the the state would would see a real benefit if it sponsored the Cape Light Compact as the first aggregator, as the leading aggregator in, in buying offshore wind. Wow, that kind of a fund would really help overcome some major barriers. So everybody in favor, call your representative. Chris, thank you so much for your time and your sharing your expertise. Really appreciate it. Also, thank you so much to Maggie Downey, Mariel Marshan, and Dick Elkin for your time and for all the great work you're doing. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>